0: Open up your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 5. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, know this, that there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament starts with Genesis. The New Testament starts with Matthew. 1 Peter's in the New Testament. So it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. You'll keep going. Romans, keep going. First and 2 Corinthians, keep going. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, keep going. 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, keep going. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James. I think then it's 1 Peter, I believe. So... Is that right? Anyway, maybe. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. He said, And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. Now when he says elder... There's some implication there that it is people in a later season of life, but primarily he's talking about people in leadership position in the church, like pastors, like I would be considered an elder, people like that in that position. So he said, So he's starting out with there. He said, I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, and I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world as a fellow elder. So he's getting ready to give people in leadership, like myself, instruction. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. So he's instructed me to care for the flock, but not just the whole flock, not just the whole body of Christ, but the flock that he's entrusted to me. I mean, I love the flock at First Baptist, but he's not, I, I'm not to give, I'm not to provide care for them. They have elders or pastors over there that do that. I love the flock at Destiny Life, but, but he's not called, he's not entrusted me with them. People say, do we ever vote for you? And I'm like, every Sunday, whenever you show up, you voted, I'm going to be the pastor today. And so the day that you, show, you don't show up and you go someplace else, you're like, I voted him out of being pastor of my life. Shame on you. I think mean, anyway, so. <laughs> so, so, you know, a lot of times people go, well, we're just the whole body and just, well, that's true. That's true. But a lot of times people say that to keep themselves from being committed to one place and embracing the vision of that one place that God's planted them. So he says this, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you get out of it, but because you're eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care. Again, there's that implication that, that, you know, that we have responsibility to those that are assigned to our care. But lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. Now, so I want you to see he's kind of drawn a distinction between responsibilities and what takes place in the church and that type of thing. But now he's getting ready to speak to the whole body collectively, to everybody, no matter what position you're in. This applies to every Christ follower. So he says, and all of you, everybody say all of you. Dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. Dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So dress yourselves in humility. In other words, as we relate to each other, that we should dress ourselves in humility. It should be noticeable in how we deal with each other that we're operating in humility. And he says the reason why is because God opposes the proud. He's in opposition to pride. Now, you know, sometimes we just read things and we really don't stop to think about it, but this is kind of a serious thing. This opposes the proud. It's not a neutral stance. It's it's it puts us in an adversarial place with God's plan. That when He opposes the proud. In other words, that we're pushing against what he wants to do, that our pride gets in the way of what he wants to do. I've used this as an illustration before, but um, we, you know, when I used to go to youth camp, when I was a youth pastor years ago, that one of the things they did was that we would do tug-of-war. And they had this huge rope. You guys remember that, that huge rope? Yeah, it was real thick and that kind of thing. But as big as it was, like, I could take it and just kind of pull it all around the campground if I wanted. But, man, you put another person on the other side of that thing, and they offer any resistance at all because of the weight of the thing itself, plus now the resistance that you have going to it, man, it was not easy to move. You're having to, you know, work against it, work against something else. Well, that's what pride does. When you and I get in pride, we're in opposition to what God wants to do in this moment. Our pride gets in the way of God's plan. Man, this can be so painful. This is kind of like, ugh. It gets in the way of God's plan because you know pride is where I feel like I'm defending myself, I'm protecting myself, I'm taking care of myself, I'm making sure I don't get ran over. Pride's this weird thing, but He goes on to say this. He said, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace. Everybody say grace. Now, grace is unmerited favor. It's, I don't deserve it, help. It's, God, not in opposition to what I'm doing, but now all of a sudden, he's partnered with me in it. He's helping me in it. God gives grace to the humble. Grace to it. Then when we operate in humility, his grace shows up all of a sudden. And so if you're taking notes, number one is this, is that humility is the place we experience grace. It's the place we experience grace, and we get to operate in that, that the thing that takes place is that the minute that grace shows up, all of a sudden we've given God access to that situation, My pride stands between God and what he wants to do in that moment. When I operate in humility, then it causes me not to be in the way of what's going and grace shows up. And here's the beauty of grace. You know what? Sometimes I'm operating in humility because I need grace. I'm having to say I'm sorry because I messed up. I'm having to apologize because I didn't do the right thing. I've had to do that often. Anybody else in here ever have to apologize because you did something dumb or something wrong? Anybody else in here besides me? Yeah, man, I'm telling you. And so, but often, man, when I operate in humility, I receive grace from the other person. On the other hand, you know, grace not only allows me to receive grace, or humility allows me to receive grace, but allows me to extend it. Now, I've shared this story before, but you know, we're fr- I'm from here, but we lived in Clovis, New Mexico for 17 years and we had this house Uh, on a corner street, and we had this one little room. It had kind of these double doors, and it had like a a sofa and uh, a recliner and a large TV that was, it was dedicated. I laid hands on it and dedicated it to sports, you know, when we first first got in there, you know. So, so, and my wife would come in, and she was allowed to come in there and and hang with me in in the sports room, and so, um, and you know, because I'm I'm gracious, but um, I'm I'm trying to be funny, so, uh, and failing miserably, by the way, but um, so one night we're having a conversation and we we get into an argument and uh, man it it escalated it was it was uh, passionate and not the good kind of passionate and so eventually she she leaves the room and makes a statement in the way that she shuts the doors and so and that was okay with me I just fewer questions to answer and I could watch TV and so so I'm uh, I'm <laughs> so I'm watching I'm watching I'm watching sports and and she must be mad at the dishes because she's putting them up in the cabinet pretty heavily at that time. And I don't know what they did to her. But um, so as I'm watching it, I have this thought that comes and says, go apologize to her. Well, I'm like, that ain't happening. (laughs) I, I wasn't wrong. I'm not apologizing to her. Matter of fact, I always apologize. I'm drawing the line today. This is the end of undeserved apologies right here. I felt pretty good. <laughs> well, another moment later, then, you know, the thought comes along again. Hey, you need to go apologize to her. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. She was wrong, clearly. And anybody could see it. It's unfortunate that she can't. Truly really sad that she's trying to blame me. I don't understand that. And so I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to apologize. Well, then the third time, the thought comes, hey, you need to go apologize to her. And again, I gave the same response. And then I had this other thought. And all of a sudden, I realized it wasn't just this argument my mind was having with itself. It was actually a God thought. God was dealing with me. You ever had those? Because this thought comes, and goes, you think you're hardening your heart towards her, don't you? And I was like, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. And he goes, well, you're not hardening your heart towards her. You're hardening your heart towards me because she's not even talking to you right now. And I'm like, well, no, she's She's not. And he said, she's not asking you to apologize, I am. And I just remember sitting there in that moment just thinking about that. And it became really clear to me that I wasn't. I was more concerned with me being right. And yet yet God had a plan for our relationship in order for us to get there. Then humility had to be experienced in that. There was no way that we would ever have the marriage that God wanted us to have if pride was at the center of it. That the only way to experience God's presence and his plan and what he had for us in our marriage was when humility ruled. And that requires us to lay our life down. It required us to do that and so Man, I'll just tell you, my flesh was like, I don't want to do this. And it felt like I was had like two cinder blocks strapped onto each leg, going in there and like, hey, babe, yeah. And I was like, see God? See, I, that's, why, that's why I'm not. <laughs> and um, I know you guys never have those conversations. <laughs> so... I was like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thankfully, she didn't say for what, because I'd been like, I, I really have no idea, but I'm just sorry. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, it was one of the, uh, my, uh, I pushed it. You know, at any point, I, I could have just, but I was holding my ground. So humility is a powerful thing because in it, it's the place that we experience grace. When I need grace from you, then if I show up with humility, then God's grace shows up. When you need grace from me, if I'll show up with humility and extend mercy, then his his grace will show up and or if you show up with grace towards me, with humi- if you show up with humility then towards me, then he extends grace to me when I need it. He allows me to give you grace. And so humility is a place we experience grace. Let's keep reading there. So he said, so humble yourselves under, everybody say under. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Now, here's the thing about humility when it's positioned. Humility, even though it's demonstrated in our behavior towards each other, it's positioned under God. It's posi- you, you know what I mean? In other words, it's, I've not positioned myself under you, i positioned myself under God. Now, it's directed at you. It impacts how I treat you and what I do with you but it's positioned under God. We have such a misunderstanding of humility. We look at different things people do. Well, they're just so humble. Have you seen how they dress? They're just so humble. Well, it could be they just have a poor sense of style. <laughs> have you seen where they live? It's just, well, that, that may be all they can afford. And that's okay, but that's not a sign of humility. It's, it's not about what we have or don't have. In our culture, we put this huge emphasis on things one way or another. You're the real spiritual if a lot of stuff, or you're not spiritual at all if you have a lot of stuff. It's not an indication either way. Humility's not, it's not revealed by that. It's. It begins when we position ourselves under God's hand. We position ourselves under his hand that Humility is our position before God. It's when we, when we demonstrate ourselves under him. You know, that, that evening when I was having that moment, that it was one of those things that I, to, to do what I needed to do, I had to position myself under his hand. And th- then it was demonstrated in that. I, I remember years ago, we were still living in New Mexico. We bought this new vehicle and, um, we made, you know, we were so excited, and so we made a decision. We're not going to eat any food or drink anything in here, you know, other than water. I mean, we were so committed to that. It lasted seven or eight weeks. And so it was one of those things that one day I remember was a hot day, and it was just kind of one of those days. And so I said to the kids, they were little. I think David was like 10, and Daniel was 8, and Ashley, I think she was 6. And I said, let's go get in the Suburban, man. We're going to go to McDonald's drive through And um, we know better than ask for a milkshake because the machine never works, but maybe they'll have some soft-serve ice cream. And so, um, so we, we got in the car and I said to Tina, baby, you just stay home and that kind of thing. So, so we get in the car and we go through the drive-through and um, I, I get us all soft serve cream. So I, I, get, I give Daniel for whatever reason, he had shotgun. I, he got shotgun that day. That was always a big thing with my kids. And David and Asher in the backseat and the way things worked out, they were probably glad that they were because I gave them all their ice cream and then I had mine and I set Tina's on the console which makes lots of sense, right? I mean, he said ice cream on a console because it'll just stay there. And so, so, we're pulling out of McDonald's and I turned right and when I did, man, the ice cream, it tumped over and slid in between the console and the seat. And man, I mean, that, that vehicle got quiet. Because they, you know, they had no idea how I was gonna respond. And so, I did what every good man would do. I turned and looked at my eight-year-old and blamed him. Right? <laughs> He said, I'm still good about it. <laughs> Daniel's with us today. So anyway, this brings back some painful memories. But he, so, so I looked at him and said, do I have to do all this by myself? You know, the least you could do is help me. I'm having to drive and hold on to my own ice cream. Can you not just help me? And so he was eight at the time. So his eyes just get real big and wet with tears. And he goes, I'm sorry, dad. And I'm like, so about that time, man, I mean, all of a sudden, I feel the Lord dealing with me and convicting me and like, man, sometimes you're kind of stupid and I'm like I know and so you know I just felt so convicted so I looked to him and I said Daniel I'm I'm sorry buddy I said you know sometimes things happen I just get so frustrated and you know instead of owning it it's my fault you didn't do anything wrong it's all on me you should have grabbed no I'm kidding it was all on me and I said, you didn't do anything wrong, and so I, I'm, I'm just really sorry. I, you know, I, I took it out on you, and it's not your fault. And he goes, that's okay, Dad. Sometimes I do that too. I was eight years old, and I'm like, wow. So yeah, that even more convicted me. Thank you. Um, but but the truth of the matter is, is that, again, when we position ourselves before God, then we've, we've surrendered our right to hang on. You it know, it's... We're under him, it's his now. He, he's in control of it. And so whatever, whatever it is that we've grown up doing, whatever, whatever thing that we use to, that's kind of a fallback for us, we, we no longer have the right. Sometimes we stay angry because it's safe. Because the last time we weren't angry when we trusted somebody, they took advantage of us or hurt us or used us. And so we don't realize that's a form of pride. Pride. Humility, when I surrender myself before God, then he requires me to forgive people when I don't want to. Humility is I position myself under God's mighty hand, which requires me sometimes to not say anything, to not expose people and expose situations when I want to, when, when it's almost like they deserve it. Humility is a powerful thing because it takes my agenda and puts it out of the way and makes me submit to God's agenda and His plan and His purpose. Because it begins with Him, it begins positioning myself not in my own self interest, not in my own insecurities, not in my own desires. But it begins with me surrendering myself to his purpose and his plan. So number two is this, is that humility is our position before God. Let's look at this third one and we'll close with this. Go with me if you would to Philippians chapter 2. It's several books before 1 Peter. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. said this he said is there any encouragement from belonging to christ any comfort from his love any fellowship together in the spirit are your hearts tender and compassionate then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose don't be selfish don't try to impress others be humble everybody say be humble Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. So he said to be humble. In other words, he was indicating that that's a decision we get to make. It's, it's not a thing that comes on us. It's not something that God imposes on us. It's a decision we get to make, but you have to understand that there's, a, there's an adversary to humility and it's self. It's our flesh it's pride, it's, it's adversarial to humility because it has its own agenda and it's in control. Humility is I submit myself to God and I trust him with the outcome. Pride is I'm in charge. I'll determine the outcome. Humility, I submit myself to him and I trust him with it. And So he said, be humble. Choose to be humble. So, so think about this. In issues in your life, that things that are going on in your world, what would humility do in your situation, in your circumstances? What would it do right now? You know, there's some wounds that they never seem to get healed. And, and part of the reason is, is maybe because of pride, there's things humility is calling us to that we're just unwilling to do. We're unwilling to let go of, we're, we're unwilling to forgive, we're unwilling to just surrender to God. Now, and here, you know, here's part of the challenge with forgiveness is forgiveness is not saying that what you did to me is OK. It's just saying I refuse to collect a debt from that, because until that debt is collected, I still carry the wound, and the debt is never collected. So the wound is forever. So we release the debt, and we forgive, and as a result of that, humility shows up with the grace of God, and it begins to heal those wounds that are there, those things that have been done to us. Those things have taken place. You know, know, um, two of our kids live live in this area. David's a teacher at RUSA, and Ashley's our children's pastor. Kyle, our daughter-in-law, she works at one of the schools. Daniel lives in Amarillo. Um, he works for the railroad. But all three of them, you know, I mean, I, uh, I'm, I'm proud of them. I have a, a good relation. We have a good relationship with each other. I, I think one of the reasons is because all of us have had to operate in humility under God's hand towards each other. And so any one of us, and I'll, I'll lead the way have operated in pride or selfishness or stubbornness or anger. That's some way without humility that could have created wounds that last forever. Because pride, man, it bears a price to it. There's a price that carries a cost. But humility, with the grace of God, it has healing in it. And it undoes what pride tried to destroy. Humility is a restorer. It restores broken things, lost things, wounded things. Because God's positioned himself, or actually we've positioned ourselves with him. Pride is not God moving on the other side. Pride is me, it's like I'm on God's side and all of a sudden I position myself on the other side and say, I'm gonna do this my way. And humility position myself with God and says I'll just follow you God I'll just follow you whatever I'll just follow you and his grace leads us Number 3 is humility is just demonstrating how we respond to people So it begins with surrendering to God but then it's demonstrating how we respond to people I heard somebody say this the it's not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less.